0: Hi everyone, in this podcast episode I'll be talking about the f- the laws of human nature, uh, by written by Robert Green And incidentally, I'll be also talking about my weekend So my weekend this week, I went to Goping uh, for a company trip, three days to night And did a bunch of cool activities like whitewater rafting and also caving at Gua so, before I start discussing about the book that I brought to me on this trip, because I was quite scared, and the internet um, in the area may not be as great, so and I was like thinking if I'm bored, at least I got something to read. So, I picked this book, The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene, because I felt like this is a book about decoding the behaviour around the people around you. So, I felt like whenever Robert, the name Robert Greene comes out, I basically have this sort of framework for in my mind that he's a guy that writes things about ancient wisdom and philosophy in the texts and then sort of organises all these things into a format like a book where people get to consume the information, figure out what really relates to them, figure out what really stands out to them, figure out something that they have never heard before that they can apply immediately And sometimes for people that have this innate nature Where they know how to read people They know how to respond very quickly Without like going through a book or going through a seminar um, Well, I think this book addresses The problem that some other people have Where they are not as quick to Find, find out certain things about human beings They're not quick to read other human beings But they would like to sort of compensate For that um, inability to do so, I, I feel So that's what I feel this book pretty much has done now, before getting into the discussion about this book, um, I'll just talk briefly about the activities I went through during this company trip that stood out to me because I feel like it's somewhat relatable to life. So the first is whitewater rafting. So um, when we went for the whitewater rafting, we were given a sort of briefing by our guide on the, each individual boat. So the guide would tell us, like, here are safety precautions, here are things you should do for your safety and for the safety of your Team members in within the boat Within the raft itself um, And then he told us about Certain things we have to look out for And you know, certain things we have to listen to him And, and he tells us to get, do instruction We should follow what he says And then he took us um, to the place Where we would uh, do our whitewater rafting And he got us to sit in the boat And after that when we reached a certain portion Of the river itself The water is pretty much shallow So he said everybody jump out of the water, Jump out of the boat and go into water and so I was thinking, like, why is he doing that? You know, um, you just can pro- you can just go ahead with your experience. You don't have to, like, really feel the water, right? Then I realised one thing. The reason why he got us to jump in the water in the shallow end of the pool is because he wants you to get a sense of what it is like to be in the water. So in in the event you sort of, like, topple over the boat or the boat capsize, God forbid, um, you know what it feels like. You know how cold the water is. You know you can swim, you know you have a life jacket around you and you will not drown, you will swim and you'll stay afloat and you are safe. So that was a very interesting thing I learned was that um, when I think about the things we experience in life, sometimes when we go through life taking a huge task, sometimes we have to go through the beginner's route where we kind of have to feel what it is like to, to just do a portion of the task. So we, we sort of get more confidence in ourselves. So, later on, um, our tour guide sort of gave us uh, instructions to go back on our boat and we started our journey. So, we, we went through a bunch of rapids and it was a very, very exciting experience. And I feel like there are times where we kind of go through this crazy experience of uh, paddling or like getting stuck within the rocks and we have to listen to our guide and he'll give us instructions, you know, how to navigate and how to things to do. As soon as I'm, I'll be thinking, like, it doesn't really make sense what he's telling us, but it seems to work. And he kind of seems to be knowledgeable, so when we follow his instructions, we can we can get past the rocks we can you know have an enjoyable trip, and I also think that you know it 's interesting where um, uh, when when somebody who is knowledgeable about the way, for some reason the, the tendency of of i don 't know myself i think is sometimes we kind of doubt what the other person on the other side has to tell us. Uh, for example, somebody who's more experienced going through certain things, we kind of think like, wait a second, does this person know what they're talking about? Or they're just, you know, playing a trick on us. So I think um when it comes to navigating situations in life, that we we somehow end, uh, end up uh, coming across things and people that have more experience than us. And for sure, we should always um practice that that's analytical analytical side where we question what is being told to us because we have a brain and also I think we have to have a certain level of faith that when it, when you it can see things from your own experience and they tell us to do certain things then yes you know if we think those people are trustworthy they are logical they know what they're doing then yes we should trust to do what they what they say even though uh, we experience fear so because I think I guess I think in life if you you are bogged down by fear too much, they become paralyzed with it. Like even if someone is knowledgeable and can help you navigate certain situations, for example, in this whitewater rafting incident, you someone become very resistant to doing anything because you're so trapped by your fear. So this was a little sort of like lesson I learned from this whitewater rafting trip. Now I'll move on to the book. Um, and basically the book, The Laws of Human Nature, talks about basically what governs human beings. And the reason why I came across this book is because I realized that we come across human beings in our life and the way we navigate the world is sometimes decided by how our parents teach us. How do they tell us who to trust and who not to trust? And also from our experiences in life where it depends on the people that we mix with, depends on our community, depends on society, we sort of have certain things built into us about what to do, what not to do, who to trust or not who to trust. Or we become slightly better reading human body languages and realize that there are many people around the world, around us, that have many ways of handling things, many ways of reacting to emotions. And the more important the more important thing I think that draws people to read this book, written by Robert Green, is this. People have sometimes tend to exhibit very ugly actions. And sometimes we ourselves tend to exhibit very surprising behaviour. And the thing that baffles us about them is that sometimes we don't understand why we're doing it, but for some reason they just pop out out of the blue and they just happen to run our life. And only when we have the capacity to sort of analyse, investigate and think about what have we done, then we realise that maybe in certain situations we are very much governed by emotion. But we don't understand why is it that we're governed by emotion to the point where our mind tells us to do something, but our action tells us to do something else. So in in some sense, I think when I came across this book, it was very interesting to understand that why is it that, why is it our thought process work a certain way and why do we do certain things? Because I think when we begin to understand certain things about us, the drives of behavior um, that is a little bit subconscious, we begin to realize that if we can tweak certain things in our subconscious, that also trickles down to results that we experience. So it's I find in this case where it becomes more important to somehow decide to actively choose the life we want to live, and that means that we take the opportunity to understand what really governs us as a human being. And we are not become a slave to our own emotional state, we don't become a slave to to other people's emotional state as well. Because I think there are times in life where we come across people that have no sense, have no control over their own emotional state, and they just simply let it out on us. And sometimes we become very um, either hurt, offended, or even triggered by other people, where it becomes a case where we sort of are scared. Also, I think the reason why it's so important to study about human nature is because... When we understand ourselves, when we can accept the truth about what human nature truly is, then we be ha- begin to have a very different experience in life. Suddenly, we don't expect people to act the way we act. And I think, I think on a large basis, like based on my personal opinion, I think that people tend to expect other people to act who, like, the way they act or the way they, how they were raised. For example, someone who is kind and polite will expect the people around them to be kind and polite as well. However, they they fail to realise that not everybody grows up with the same kind of background as they do. Not everybody grows up with the same kind of family culture, uh, the same kind of society culture, the same kind of friends around them that has shaped them to be polite and kind. So the moment we we have expectation of how other people should act based on the way we act itself, I think that's how we get into tunnel vision. That's how we get into situations where we get very frustrated when things are not the way we are so used to. Because on some level, I think we do have biases in the sense that we think our way is the right way to be. We, we somehow think that, you know, the, what we're doing right now is the most best thing to do as a human being. Uh, so I think when we can begin to understand, human nature is about understanding people, um, but that doesn't mean we take bullshit. <laughs> I think it means is that we understand human beings, we understand how to navigate the world, in the sense that we are not becoming so emotionally... Um, uh, Tossy in and there around human beings but we take things as how they are and we learn on to you know go on with our lives and achieve the things we want to achieve so basically I think understanding the laws of human nature means that we are supposed to be a more calmer and more strategic of observable people and we shouldn't be around so much of emotional drama that end of the day drains us as a human being and the reason why you know this book said is that it's important that I understand human emotion is this. Uh, human nature is this. We're drawn into our f- own feelings, evaluating what other people see and do in very personal terms. Do they like me, or do they dislike me? And we realize that people are generally dealing with emotional emotions and issues that have deep roots. They're experiencing some desires and disappointments that predate you years and by decades. You cross their path at a particular moment and become the convenient target for their anger or frustration. They're projecting onto you certain qualities they want to see. In most cases, they're not relating to you as an individual. This should not upset you, but liberate you. This book will teach you to stop te- taking personally the insinuating comments, their show of coldness or moments of irritation. So I think this book basically does is that saying that the people that sometimes blow out at you, um, unless it's something that you've directly caused them to, to, to be very emotionally pissed off, sometimes it could be the situation where you're in the wrong place wrong time and the person that has been storing a lot of anger disappointment and frustration uh, you be, end up becoming the target for unfortunate reasons uh, but you know um, that is life I think so I also think that it's this book is also basically th- teaching us about developing a thicker skin and also understanding that you don't take things too personal um, and the second part of this book is this the laws of human nature is basically to make you a better interpre- interpreter of the cues that people continually omit. gives you a greater ability to judge your character. So, end of the day, when it comes to judging human beings, um, we have to judge them on the basis of their character and not by the basis of the superficial stuff. And that is because people tend to show the best sides of them people tend to not want to show you their, you know, deep, darkest secrets and bad behavior initially until you get to know them better and then you have a sense of who they are truly as a person. But until then, you know, you're only left with the things that they show to you that, because everybody realizes that there's certain things that society cannot accept. Um, there's certain things uh, people have to live by a certain kind of rules. So they, people sort of conceal that side about them, you know, uh, the darker side about them and... Uh, it's not about just judging about people's dark side, but I feel it's about you're not so easily sold on people who they are. For example, like the influencer on Instagram that is traveling to multiple countries and you think has an amazing life may not really have the amazing life because there are a lot of aspects in your life that do not show to you, but you only see the good side. So I think this book is about training human beings to think about looking... At things underneath the surface And also another thing I picked up um, That this book is supposed to do is that Understanding the laws of human nature Is supposed to help you Empower yourself to take on and outthink The toxic types that inevitably Cross your path and will tend to Cause long term emotional damage And I think This is basically saying The hardcore fact is that you will come across People who are aggressive You'll come across people who are jealous You'll come across people who are manipulative and the thing about life is that if we, if we grow up in an institution where we, we are never told to be careful around these people, that doesn't mean these people do not exist. These people still exist in the world, and we have to be careful on some level. Uh, but we'll obviously balance that in the sense that we don't become overly paranoid about these people lurking everywhere. I think I think we are responsible for our own safety, and that also means that when it comes to other human beings as well, you know there are other human beings in this world that you have to be careful around. You have to exercise caution. You, you have to be, you know, you have to understand there are people in this world that, you, if you deal with them long term enough, they do cause emotional long term damage. And if you're savvy enough to to spot these people, then you can avoid being in those situations with these people, and then, you know, you don't spend a lot of energy trying to get into situations with them. And then five years, ten years down the line, you realize that oh, I would have been better off had I cut off contact with this person, or had I reduced contact with this person. So I think I think that was something about, uh, something about this book I find quite interesting, and also another thing about this book that talked about uh, the thing, the benefits of actually studying laws of human nature was this. The will also make you realise how deeply the forces of human nature operate within you, giving you the power to alter your own negative patterns. So end of the day, is, this book also talks about the darker side of human nature. And what it means is this, human beings in general, we never like to look at the dark side of ourselves. Everybody has neg- th- negative things. For example, we are irrational, we are jealous, we are grandiose, we are aggressive, we are passive-aggressive. And this book is not about painting judgment about people, but rather understanding that um, negative traits exist exist in every people. But we must first understand ourselves before we start judging other people. Because I think when we understand ourselves and come to terms with the negative traits that we ourselves are dealing with and battling with, and we try to hide from other people, then we realize that ways there are things we should improve on and I think there are ways to channel that sort of dark side and do something that's positive as well. So sometimes is about accepting yourself. When you understand your dark side, that is when you are actively dealing with things that you do not want anybody else to know. But if you have the awareness... That these are some things that you should look out for within yourselves, and you should learn to manage it. That is the time when you also realize that everybody out there in the world has their own dark side as well. So that that is why you know when human beings live the world, uh, live and live in society, not exactly caught unaware when they understand there's a dark side that exists within human beings. It's because you have you have that kind of knowledge that this exists with everybody. It's just a question of whether people have learned to integrate this dark side with the other parts of their life of, or are they the kind of people that will hide it under the rug and bury it because they feel so uncomfortable about other people knowing it that they themselves are in denial about their dark side so these are basically the benefits so far of learning um, the laws of human nature so i'll start with the first you know first law which is master emotional self you like to imagine yourself in control of your faith, consciously planning the course of your life as best as you can, but you are largely unaware about how deeply your emotions dominate you. They make you look for evidence that confirms that what you already want to believe. They make you see what you want to see, depending on your mood, and this disconnect from reality is the source of the bad decisions and negative patterns that haunt your life. So basically, my interpretation is this. Um, emotions... We well we like to th- think of ourselves as logical human beings. We like to think that we have given enough thought to certain decisions, but unfortunately, emotions is something that, unless we have a good sense of how we react to situations on an emotional level, emotions tend to govern the way we react. Because I think, I like to think that emotions are faster than the speed of sound. Yeah, that's Coldplay. That's a Coldplay track, but um. Uh, basically, what I found interesting about this chapter was this, when it said that emotion turns us inward, away from reality. So when we dealt, dwell on our anger and our insecurities, we look at the world and try to solve problems. So we see, thre- we see things through the lens of these emotions, and they cloud our vision. So what it basically says is this. Um, when you view life through a, a certain set of emotion, for example, let's say fear, you're seeing the way you're seeing the world through the fear lens. And when you see the world through the fear lens, everything that you do in your life will be be grounded in the in, in fear. Like you're constantly thinking yourself. Do I if I do this, what will happen to me? Or what's the worst what scenario case can happen to me if I do this? And after a while you know, begin to notice that every single decision in your life ends up being governed by this one thing, which is one emotional state. And if you are very if you if you are conscious enough and you're willing enough to address what this emotional state is, then that is when you have the you have the capacity to now live your life differently because instead of wearing the lens of fear, you're swapping it with something else. maybe last time the lens used to be like you know a lens a red tinted lens fear and you begin to realize that you begin to address the emotion and you begin to do things that can reduce the emotional state where maybe the lens used to be a dark red now it's a light red or maybe it's half red you know what I mean so it's about t- addressing what emotion drives you as a human being first and f- foremost and identifying it um, and also ask yourself like where does this come from why is this here and I think when we ask ourselves questions about why do we have certain emotions it's not about to beat ourselves in the head and and make ourselves go you know do mental gymnastics and try to find out where do these things happen but i think it's it's about taking the initiative to notice when we react to certain things how does it begin because i think in this world we constantly go to books and we constantly go to teachers and we constantly maybe go to religion for answers however Human beings, I think, have this capacity within themselves to sort of develop self-inquiry and then figure out there are things within themselves that that they can fix. And that is by asking themselves the hard question and and taking the time to decide... Sorry, taking the time to, to figure out what the answer is. And the answer may not come like today, immediately, five minutes from now. But when we ask ourselves the hard questions and we are willing to listen to whatever comes up, That's when we have the answer out there. And I think from my observation, the personal development industry is this. The reason why some people pay like bucket loads of money to go to seminars is not about just because of the branding, which I'm sure you might have heard of very famous speakers and their branding is incredible. And you know they are are very uh, well-known, well-respected people in the personal development industry. But I think what they do during the seminar is this they are putting you in an environment where you begin to ask yourself questions about what is the emotional state that constantly affects you on a day-to-day basis. And you ask yourself, where is it coming from? And the reason why the seminars do so well is because the seminars basically is like, you put in money, you put in time. So you have a little bit of, of skin in the game, so to speak. And the speaker itself shows up and they have also some skin in the game. So when they are there to facilitate the process... It's about getting you to, to, to sort of putting in a new environment and, and asking this, you this, to do these questions and you have to basically come up with the answer for yourself. So when they give you time to do, when you, they give you a certain lot of time to do these activities yourself, you become more serious. Versus if you were to do these activities on your own, like how many of us will actually do these kind of things? How many of us will have the kind of capacity to even ask ourselves, why do we experience this emotion? Usually when people experience or people have that kind of thought pattern to even ask themselves why they're experiencing this, it's mostly coming out from pain. I think, and that's where the part it gets a little bit sucky for human beings is that for some reason, science growth and self-awareness and personal development comes from inc- experiencing a lot of pain and then you realize like, what is the common denominator in all the experiences and that usually refers to yourself in the end. Unfortunately, So that's when I think people have the realisation where if they don't ask themselves the hard questions of where does the emotion come from and why do they feel this way, they always end up being in a the loop. Um, they constantly feel or they constantly live in certain emotional states but, and they constantly let their life be governed by them but they can't seem to have the kind of awareness to break out of it or think there's a better life that's outside for them. So that was something I learned From this particular chapter itself And And the reason why You know, uh, Robert Greene talks about Why it's so important to learn about Mastering emotional state is this By looking for a cause Our mind tends to revolve around the same types Of explanation, someone or some group sabotaged me Maybe there's large Antagonistic forces out there Such as the government Or social conventions hindered me I received bad advice or information was kept from me. Finally, worse comes to worse, we blame it on bad luck and unfortunate circumstances. These explanations generally emphasize our helplessness. These explanations tend to intensify our emotions. Anger, frustration, depression, which we can then wallow in and feel bad for ourselves. So the most thing that we end up doing when it comes to not mastering emotional stuff is that we tend to look outside we blame the, the, the next best possible situation out there, and we fail to realize that this doesn't help us solve the problem. In fact, what actually it actually does is it intensifies the emotional state. And when it comes to solving a problem itself, it should be the case where we detach ourselves from the emotional state. For example, let's say you're feeling anger on a thousand level. So you try to bring it out to maybe 500, or even 100 if you're doing well. And then after that, when you have the kind of capacity to detach, or to sort of uh, limit the emotional intensity from what you're feeling right now, then your your brain can sort of kick in to actually do the work for you and start to analyse. But I think what is important is that, first of all, is to understand that we need to master our emotional self. We need to, you know, we need to ask ourselves the hard questions. We need to make emphasis on being rational. And also we have to probably understand when are the times where we go like batshit crazy and become so emotional that we lose our own sense of, mind and i think i think for us you know it's important to do that you know it's important to understand that it's important to be rational and yes people say that you should be objective and not make things when you're emotional but you know are you able to t- are you able to even like gauge like when is the time that you're emotional or do you leave it for somebody else to actually point it out to you because i think that can be kind of a little bit dangerous when we, we ourselves don't know the level of emotional intensity that we can have, but if we are too reliant on other people to point things out to us, that's a little bit dangerous. Um, and also, I think that part of understanding emotional intensity and ourselves is there are things that we have to recognize. And this book actually talks about a bunch of bias. Um, for example, uh, we imagine we are looking for the truth of being realistic when in fact we're holding on to ideas that bring a release from tension and soothe our egos make us feel superior. The pleasure principle in thinking is the source of all our mental bias. So there are things that he talked about in his book, which is... um, I'm going to talk about just a few, because I think there's quite a lot here. Um, I'll just talk about things that resonate with me, I found interesting, which is conviction bias. I believe in this idea so strongly must be true. We hold on to an idea that is secretly pleasing to us but deep inside we might have some doubts to it's true. But we go the extra mile to convince ourselves and we figured out that if this takes me so much energy to defend what I believe in, then it must be true, right? But in actual fact, that may not be the case. There are situations where sometimes we think initially what we strongly believe is true but actually it isn't. A little bit part of ourselves sort of um, has this kind of doubt but unfortunately because of this sunk cost syndrome We tend to think that I've like, invested so much of my mental energy and self-esteem And like effort to defend this idea That if anybody challenges, it, challenges us It makes us very riled up It makes us very go on the defensive mode to defend ourselves Another item which I find super important is appearance bias I understand the people I deal with I see them just as they are In fact we don't see people as they are we see how they appear to us. And most of the time these appearances are misleading. Um people, end of the day, have been training themselves in social situations to present the front that's appropriate and they'll be judged positively. So end of the day we figure figured out, like, you know, we see some people that we are drawn to, whether they have positive or negative qualities. For example, let's say you know we think they're very good looking. So, sometimes we assume them to be trustworthy. We assume them, for example, politicians, be trustworthy. Well, in fact, that may not be the case. And sometimes we also think that people who are largely successful, we probably sometimes tend to think they are also ethical and conscientious and deserving of their fortunes. But the truth is, that may or may not be the case. Um, when we think about appearance biases, I think what it means to say is this. You have to take the time not to be so fixated with what somebody presents to you initially you have to look for substance you have to look for substance beyond the form and the reason why you should do that is because human no human being will run after you and tell you their faults no human being will tell you like oh i'm such a bad person i i've done i've this flaw i've that flaw in my personal life everybody strives to present the best part of their life to you and i think it's probably pretty much a coping mechanism of how to survive in society and if everybody does it, then on some level, you know, it's, it's much more important for us to take the time to see for people for who they really are. And that means, uh, you know, you just have to take your time to figure out somebody who somebody is and, you know, just don't jump to any biases for now. There's another item, um, part of this book is talking about emotional self, which is step number two, beware of the inflaming factors. And one of these inflaming factors they talk about is the trigger point from early childhood. So basically it says that, you know, in our childhood, we are the most sensitive and vulnerable. Our relationship with parents have a greater impact to us than we actually think it is. And however, there are times where we come across vulnerabilities, but we try to repress these memories. And sometimes, certain situations is where, like, I believe in psychology... Sorry, my, my personal opinion when it comes to psychology is this. The large portions of books I've read sort of talked about this whole point about childhood, how childhood does affect you as an adult. And I don't mean this to say that we are all victims, but I think we have to understand what is it in a childhood that has conditioned us to think a certain way, to react to certain situations, and what is it that we can understand about ourselves, understand about childhoods that has... Affected the way we act And I think when we do that It means that we are coming to terms with the past And we are coming to terms with What are the things that have happened That have caused us to act a certain way But we as adults now have the power and responsibility To change that about ourselves You know, for example um, For example, let's say it's fear of losing control or failure You know, uh, sometimes we, we act by withdrawing from a situation On um, the presence of other people And this book sort of says that, you know this ends up trickling to situations where we desperately search to recreate this close or parental or sibling relationship um, from this fear and we're triggered by someone who vaguely reminds us of our past, our parents or you know, sibling relationship. The problem is that when we are misreading the present and reacting to something from the past, we create conflicts, disappointments and mistrust that only strengthen the wound. In some ways, if we don't understand what has governed us in the past, we are programmed to repeat the early experience onto the present. And that's why I think you can see sometimes in the situations where some certain people end up going through the same situation over and over again. And it's, for example, you know some people end up dating the person that vaguely reminds them of their mother or father that they have the most issues with. And you can see there's a pattern that goes on and on and on, but the person that's In the the person that's involved in the pattern itself doesn't have the awareness to see that what is the common underlying factors themselves and their choices in their life and how... by not figuring out what has truly happened in their childhood or not trying to resolve certain issues that have been triggered by their childhood this then tends to trickle on to -to day-to-day life and this is not a... it's not an insult across people who have experienced difficulties in their childhood or people who are getting through difficult situations But I think it's just a very classic example of Unless we begin to take the mirror And look a little bit at the past And try to figure ourselves out We're doomed to repeat the same situation over and over again And that's why I think it's important to Detach ourselves and look at possible wounds You know, um, Wounds through early childhood is one of them um, That's not only the one um, There are other situations as well for example, sometimes people come across situations where there are sudden gains or losses or there are a series of bad things that happen to them uh, that is not of their doing. Or it could be situations of rising pressure. It can be situations of, I like the, the way the book called it, inflaming individuals or maybe I would call it people that piss you off. Um, I think in this case, what the book is talking about, there are many factors that actually contribute to the way you are emotionally But the question now is Which one of it is the Factor that drives you And I think that's not too difficult to find I think as I think everybody to some level has a sense of self um, In the sense that they can f- Roughly figure out what triggers them as a person Whether they get along with certain people or not Or other institutions where you know There's s- sudden loss, sudden gains That have sort of s- triggered them Emotionally as well And there is this part of the book that talks about strategy, um, how to to sort of mitigate these emotional issues. And basically what it is, is that it's about a few things. Number one, know yourself thoroughly. So it basically says this, your first step towards being rational and less emotional is always inwards. You must reflect on how you operate under stress. You must... Try to see other patterns in the way you react to situations, and then you kind of figure out like what, how you react emotionally as a person, and you react, and you figure out like what are the goals that sort of mesh with your personal interests and align with your skills. That way, you're able to resist. You know, <coughs> sorry, the way you're able to understand yourself in the sense that, if you understand yourself first and foremost. You you sort of set up your life to be in a situation where you are moving along with the current, not against it. I feel that in situations where people try so hard to be like somebody else, be like somebody they respect, they forgot one thing. They're not like that. They're not built the same way they're built. They don't have the same kind of emotional makeup or emotional strength or emotional resilience that other people have. But that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I think um, we should understand our capabilities for what they are. Uh, Obviously, work on developing our own strengths even better understand our weaknesses and and choose life strategically where it's the case where we we align things based on how we know ourselves. And number the, the step two is examine the root of your emotions to the root. Basically when you're feeling a certain situation, when you're angry, let the feeling settle from within and think about it. You know, what triggered it? When you ask yourself what triggered emotions, you're not just letting you're not giving yourself the permission to just feel the emotion and just blast out at people. But you're trying to be more conscientious about what triggered you to be mad in the first place. And when you ask the question to yourself, I feel that that's holding yourself accountable for the emotions experiencing. It's not wrong to feel emotions, but I think you should be able to sort of pinpoint what is it that's causing them. And if you feel the things that are causing them are pretty like petty things or things that are quite surprising, then that's the only time where you can have the awareness then to then Realize that maybe certain things trigger me. Maybe can I investigate further into what are the things that trigger me? Uh well the third step is for how to for how to deal with emotions is increase your reaction time. So whenever some event or interaction happens and it requires a response, you must train yourself to step back. Most of the time when people talk about difficult situations, they always say that do not react emotionally. Uh, the times where you're most triggered to sort of give a response is a time where you should just not do anything. Just take the time off or even an hour off or even one day off this to settle down. I think people tend to do the most craziest things when they're in the heat of emotion. They say the craziest shit. They do the craziest things and somehow they end up sort of backfiring and hurting themselves in the end. So... It's important sometimes to, to just be able to, to sort of increase your reaction time. That means if something happened today that triggered you, instead of reacting suddenly, very actively, you take maybe like a half hour to one hour, or even next day to sort of think of what to do to it. Uh, when you take that time, you can sort of cool down and then you know let your logical mind take over and then make a, a decision that's much better for you in that case. Another part of the book is talking about Another part that of the book that talked about solutions was basically to accept people as facts. Interactions with people are a major source of emotional turmoil, but it doesn't have to be that way. The problem is that we continuously are judging people, wishing they are some something they are not. We want to change them. We want to think and act a certain way, more often than we think or act. That's because not every that's and that's not possible because everybody's actually different. So we are, when we expect people to be the way we are, sometimes they really piss you off and you get continuously frustrated and upset. Um, I, think, I think the path of least resistance and path of least headache and annoyance in life is to understand that people are people. Uh, that doesn't mean we have lower standards for people. It's basically understanding that there's a lot of people out there and there's all sorts of personalities, all sorts of characters, all sorts of stuff. But we accept accept them for what they want and we work with the situation instead of rejecting things and trying to change them. Because as much as we can try to want to change other people, we also have to come to a realisation that there are other people that may find us difficult to deal with or even challenging to deal with and they also actively want to try to change us. And if we work in a world where we feel that we want to have less judgement, I think the first step is that we put less judgement of other people out there into the world in the sense that we judge less about other people. We stop trying to change them. We try to address and see what is it about them that is workable. Uh, and then, you know, there are things, it may, not, it may be the situation where you really cannot make things work between the both of you, but you sort of don't have that kind of like crazy desire to change people because changing people is impossible. Only they can change themselves. Um, and the final solution in this particular chapter is find the optimal balance of thinking and emotion. We cannot divorce emotions from thinking. Uh, I found this particular thing quite interesting, in the sense that what we are looking for is the proper ratio and balance, the one that leads to the most effective action. The ancient Greeks had an appropriate metaphor for this, the rider and the horse. The horse is our emotional nature continuously impelling us to move. The horse has tremendous energy and power, well, without the rider, it cannot be guided It's wild, subject to predators and constantly Hitting to trouble The riders are thinking self A logic, basically Through training and practice, it holds the reins and guides the horse Transforming this powerful animal energy Into something productive And, and you know You have to have both at the same time if You have the rider but don't have the horse it that's impossible, you can't go anywhere but if you have the horse but you don't have to the ride it, then the horse just becomes this wild animal that goes off and causes trouble and there's there's no productivity there. So it means is that we have to have the right ratio. It's not about saying that which is worse or which is better. It's not about saying being logical is better than being emotional. It's not also saying being emotional is being better than being logical. But I think what is important to handle, what is important to understand is that you need both. So, and both, needs to be in the right ratio. For certain situations, maybe being more logical may be better than being emotional. For example. But in certain situations, it may be the opposite where you you have to be much more emotional to connect with other people or it it requires certain emotional responses and then maybe your logic has a smaller ratio in this entire situation. Uh, So it's basically understanding is this. We don't pigeonhole ourselves in the way that we, we we prescribe certain certain you know certain formulas to deal, to to deal with all life situations, but we understand that through life we will need both logic and emotion, but at different proportions at different times, and we should be able to adapt to the situation. So that is basically the first chapter of um the laws of human nature, which is master emotional self. Um, I found this chapter pretty much interesting because I think that you know, when it comes to mastering yourself, it's not just the logical aspect, but the things that are more subtle and the things that are more powerful that you don't think governs you a lot, but actually they do, which is the emotional stuff. So, you know, thanks for listening to this and I'll be tackling other chapters of this book. So stay tuned.